Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast where good taste and bad taste are very short. Uh, this is a special bonus episode um, because rather than pad out one of our regular episodes with 15 additional reviews, we decided to snap it off and lay it, lay it on the ground over here where you can enjoy it in its own resplendent glory. It's our podcast network. We can do what we want. A lot <laughs> of people the... would be like, hey, why are you going to dedicate an entire episode to short films? Which, like, a lot of people aren't necessarily super interested in and that won't necessarily drive a lot of traffic. Because we like them and we think they deserve we, a whole episode and we're going to do we it. We talk about them every year. Um, yeah. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic. Uh, I don't have a cute nickname, but uh, you do, William. It's not that cute. My name is William Bibiani. Uh, I'm a critic and everybody calls me Bibbs. And uh, yeah, every year uh, the Academy Awards roll around. Later than usual this year. We can blame the pandemic on that. But uh, And... Actually, this year, I'll give them credit, the the nominees are really varied. It's not like the same, like, eight movies dominating every single category. There's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of different films that got a lot of attention. And there were still a bunch of snubs. Like, it's just amazing. <laughs> but um, every year, when people are watching the Academy Awards, they typically are watching it and I'm like, oh, I know that movie. Or, oh, that sounds interesting. And then they have the awards for Best Live Action Short, Best Animated Short, and Best Documentary Short. And the typical person has maybe seen one or two of them, if that. Typically, there's one in the animated category, uh, because thanks to Pixar, uh, they would often include, and also Disney, they would include a short before their features. Yeah. Some of their big tentpole animated features from the year got an additional short. Yeah, and so typically one or two of those is nominated, but not necessarily every year, and... Yeah, but other than that, there's a lot of short films there that a lot of people don't necessarily know to look for, have never heard of before, and fortunately, these shorts in the last decade or so have been increasingly available at least after they're nominated, and there would be uh, screenings at various movie theaters. I don't think there are any or many of those this year, but they're now more available online. Yeah, uh, thanks. To, I think they were um, they started putting them up for rent and sale on uh, on iTunes a couple of years back. Yeah. And now they're available through various uh, platforms and, and virtual cinemas. And uh, yeah, you can see them. You yeah. can just get them now. And yeah. that's great. And this is wonderful because as we say every year, the short subject is, uh, we feel sort of like a, a too frequently ignored or neglected uh, medium. Uh, short subjects have been part of the Academy Awards since the 1930s. And, it makes sense. Movies started off as short subjects. We didn't start getting feature length, what we now call feature length motion pictures until I think like the 1910s. Um, and shorts were a regular part of the theatrical viewing experience for many, many decades. They would be shorts before a movie. There'd be shorts between movies because most movie theaters would show uh, multiple films in the same theater. Um, they were more commonplace. They were more readily known. Shorts would then find them their way onto television mm. in various formats. Uh, nowadays, less so. Uh, we actually consume a lot of short films on a regular basis. Sometimes we call them individual episodes of television. Sometimes we call them commercials. Sometimes they're music videos. Sometimes they're viral videos or TikToks. Mm. Uh, but uh, regardless, short filmmaking is still an exciting medium in which to tell stories, and yeah, there are three categories. There's live-action shorts, which are fictional live-action stories, animated shorts, which are animated shorts, and documentary shorts, which are based on true stories, 
filmed the true stories. Documentary. Sure. Documentaries. Uh, uh, and the only rule, basically, other than, you know, they have to be animated or whatever, is uh, they have to be under 40 minutes. Because in mm. the Academy, 41 minutes or more is technically considered feature length. Yeah. Normally, this means that, especially in the documentary category, we end up with a lot of nominees that are, like, exactly 40 minutes long or 39, <laughs> 59. This year, not so much. There's only one that that pushes close to forty minutes, and yeah. the rest stay where they need to. Yeah, uh, I'm I am curious. This was something an idea that was floated by um, the guys over at Red Letter Media, mm. um, enclave of cynical uh, film lovers that I'm very fond of, and they once floated the idea that if a feature is anything forty one minutes and above, when are we going to finally get to the point where like a giant superhero epic isn't three hours long. It's the same cost, but it's just the action. Yeah. Like you, you make as, as you don't, you don't need to wait through the whole movie to get to the scene where the, the heroes all team up and we don't need to get through all of this rigmarole where they're all assembling the team and yeah. trying to put all the emotional beats in place. Just dispense with all that, skip straight to the action, have a 45 minute fight sequence and full charge, full admission for that. Here's the problem with that. And that's a, that's a fun idea. Yeah. There's, Basically, the base, there's two schools of thought on that. One is, great, mm. let's do that. Just get in, get out, get your money's worth mm-hmm. faster. Problem is, is that I've run into this a lot. Um, a lot of people, if they're going to spend the money, especially go see a movie in a theater, mm. they want to feel like they got their money's worth. And a really short movie doesn't necessarily feel like it's worth the same ticket price as a three-hour Endgame epic, you well, know? It, like, it where, like, you well, really got to sit in it. It depends how engaging that 45 minutes is. That's true, but does it look like... For mm. example, um, if, like, I ordered a hamburger mm. and you gave me a slider for the same price as the restaurant next door, which will give you a big, juicy, double cheeseburger with bacon... Mm. That slider might be the best slider you've ever had. However, you might be more hungry than that. <laughs> so I'm just saying, at a glance, it might not look like the best deal. Right. And so I think that's there's a lot of hesitancy to that. I actually do think that's an interesting idea, though. And one thing I would like to see is... Because we've actually seen, like, uh, uh, Disney has been putting out uh, a lot of the Marvel television series. We had WandaVision, we have right. Captain America, and the, not, sorry, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now. And we're getting Loki later this year. Um, and these are movies that are relative. Sorry, these are shows that are relatively expensive, mm. uh, but they're not as expensive as the big theatrical components. But they are longer. What I would like to see is what if instead of doing every year like you have like three big features, mm. what if just one was an anthology film, but you spent all the money. Oh, so like, so like you do like you know t- the Tales from the Crypt movie from the seventies or Creep Show, mm. but it's like four. 15 minute superhero movies featuring characters you've known before maybe oh, new ones yeah. but four, they spend four shorts together but they spend theatrical money on them mm-hmm. so you actually get to see something really big and epic but it gets to be really short and tidy so you get that shorter version you get like three 40 minute movies or four 30 minute movies or whatever mm. but it you really feel like you got your money's worth even though they're short yeah. i think that's a cool idea that's, that's a cool idea too yeah. yeah um i think the short uh is Great. Yeah. I, lo- I love shorts. Um, I, Especially when it comes to the scripted live action category, you do come to realize how much of a, quote, feature-length film is just padding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need a lot. In, t- in order to just... If the goal of your uh, your script is just to tell a story, yeah. you don't need a lot of time. You can tell a story 
in 30 seconds. It's just a matter of how it's told. And you can tell a story just as effectively with 20 minutes as you can with 90. Yeah, there's a couple of films in the live action shorts this year that I feel like could theoretically have been features, but I think they probably would have been worse. Yeah, the, as features the two uh, the two American films and uh, one of the Israeli films mm-hmm. could have been whole features. Yeah, and, um, and uh, I don't yeah. think they would be stronger for it. But who knows? Maybe mm. they would be. Uh, w- let's uh, let's just start diving in and let's get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, so, which one do you want to start with? We'll, well do category he, by category. Um, I'd like to start with the documentary. Let's do it. And um, I um, I have a, a strategy for the way I consume these. Um, yeah. The documentaries tend to be the most just emotionally harrowing. Yeah. These are, uh, the short categories are notoriously rough subject mm-hmm. matter. There's a lot of children in peril. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of child soldiers. There's, There's a lot, lot of, of war, wartime death. There's yeah. a, a lot of disease. Um, for a couple of years in a row, it seems like every other film was either, was about dementia or end of life care. Yeah, a lot like of them, the, yeah. There, there was a lot of uh, just really difficult subject matters that are faced head on. And the documentary shorts also tend to be the longest category. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they are again this year. The longest and the most harrowing. So, so, so I, I like to start with the longest, hardest subject. I've done that before. I did that this year, and I'm mm. glad I did. However, sometimes they, they got tricky on me, and then the animated ones ended up being the most emotionally harrowing. Mm. That sucked. But to get to that point, I think there's a couple of reasons why that happens. One, you're making a short subject. It's a, it's a medium that doesn't get out there as much, and you want to have maximum impact. So telling a story that is as emotional as humanly possible mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense in that format because you want people to really feel something, uh, especially if you're trying to make a documentary. You want people to come away really emotionally affected by something because a lot of the documentaries are about actual serious issues and real life events mm-hmm. that you want people to care about more than they might have going into it. At the end of these movies, you want people to care more about the subject than they did when they started. So hitting people really, really hard makes a lot of sense. The problem is sometimes you can hit people so hard they almost resent the film for it. Mm-hmm. And this category has done that to me multiple times. Let's go Let's go in alphabetical order. Alphabetical, all right. Let's go in alphabetical order. The first nominee for Best Documentary Short is a film called Colette. Uh, and this is a film uh, about the Holocaust. Uh, specifically, it is a film uh, uh, about a French woman mm. uh, who, when uh, the Germans invaded France, uh, she and her brother joined the resistance. Uh, and her brother was relatively quickly apprehended and sent to the camps, where he was uh, one of many people who were forced to work basically until he died from work. Mm. Uh, although that's a little hazy, I think, on exactly how he died or did they specify that? I, I don't think they did. Yeah, but he died he died in the camps. And it the whole story is about her and she's like she's like pushing a hundred. And it's her first time visiting the camp where her brother died. And she's going with a, a young historian who is also making her first trip to one of these camps. And I love hearing this woman Colette talk about her story and how pissed off she is by so much of the conversation mm. about these horrors in world war two and how she never went before because she finds it ghoulish to treat it like tourism. Yeah. 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 Um, she was also, she was a resistance fighter. So she, 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 and she does point out, yeah, it was, it was pretty badass, but I was actually just, 
my job as the resistance was to note which trucks were passing by so we could like track yeah. Nazi vehicle movements. It's important work, yeah. but it doesn't, but it's, it's, it's not, you're not going to write a novel fun. about it. Like yeah. I wasn't sneaking, I wasn't like passing notes yeah. and like sneaking behind enemy territory. I was yeah. just writing down truck Charlie numbers. Charlie Theron won't be playing me in a movie anytime yeah. soon, but yeah. So like, it's like, God, oh, that's pretty badass. It's, it wasn't romantic. It was important, but no, no, yeah. there wasn't anything fun about this. I love how down to earth she is about yeah. it. How she's just basically just like, no, here's exactly what it was like. Hmm. You know, and it's not about um, it's not about there's no self-aggrandizement to any of her uh, any of her stories. And she's actually and we see for a long time her trying to not get emotional about it. Yeah. And so when she actually gets there and just all of a sudden it feels that much more real hmm. uh, what happened to her and brother, that, because he was out of her life for so long. Uh, and you just see that emotion come back and it's just really powerful. And and we get to see what was being made at the camps yeah. and what people were being worked to death working on and uh it's 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 impossible to remain uh, sort of distanced from that, and we also get to see her while she's reconnecting with these harrowing memories. Uh, the young woman who's never experienced any of this stuff firsthand, mm-hmm. getting sort of swept up in it and becoming part of the story herself. Yeah, there's a there's a question Colette asks. Uh, I forget the name of the young woman mm-hmm. she's with, but she's like, "What are you expecting to get out of this? You're real, mm-hmm. You've read the books, and." It's the same thing we're going to get out of this movie, which is it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to understand it on a human level. Mm. Um, the whole movie, the movie Titanic is built around this as a framing device, for example. At the beginning of the movie Titanic, they show a quick simulation of how the ship went down. Yeah. And then Gloria Stewart's just like, yeah, it was a little different when you were there. And that's the whole point <laughs> of the movie is that you may have heard about this. But if you're actually like if you were put in a you are there, uh-huh. you know, actually accurately recreated, you're going to really understand the gravity of what went down. And this is nowhere near as sensational as something like Titanic, but it's a similar approach where we're just going to really focus on there are still people. I mean, she wasn't actually in the camp, but she was there. Mm. There's still people alive who were around at the time and who can tell us stories and can share this experience and make this as real as it can possibly be. And we need to capture as many of those stories as we can. And capturing them on film is really quite beautiful. I think my favorite scene in this is she goes to um, she goes to Germany. And the town where they have... They, they, they've kept the camp around as sort of a, you know... A museum. A, a museum. Yeah. It, it's, they're, they're ashamed of it, but it's important to keep around. And she's having dinner and someone at the town in the town tries to toast her mm. and say, like, thank you so much for sharing your brave stories. And, you know, we're we're Germans. We acknowledge what we have done wrong. It's really, really horrible. And he's going on this long speech. And finally, she just gets mad and says, shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to eat dinner here. And this is all about you. Mm. This is nothing to do with me. This is about you trying to make. No, shut up. And I just really thank you for thank you for that. It's such a she's an incredible person to capture on film. What an mm. interesting person. So I really like this one a lot. It's not maybe the most exciting cinematically, yeah. but it was a really valuable experience. The, it was the relationship between the two women that I found the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have both seen a lot of films, a lot of short films, a lot of feature films about the Holocaust and about concentration camps and. Uh, to the point where uh, like Kate Winslet's making cynical jokes on the TV show extras about yeah. making films about the Holocaust. Yeah. She hasn't, she, she, uh, she was famously nominated for an Academy Award a whole bunch of times. And in the show extras, she said, 
I'm making this movie about World War II because if you really want an Oscar, you got to make a movie about a Holocaust. Mm. A couple of years later, she finally got her Oscar for the movie The Reader, which is about the Holocaust. Sure, she plays a, a former Nazi secretary. <laughs> she, she should have fucking thanked for what's his name? Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Should have thanked yeah. Ricky Gervais up there. <laughs> God. So, um, but when you finally get to someone who was there, when you get an actual documentary film about it, it it's it's not old hat. This is something yeah. that needs to be repeated and something that needs to be constantly talked about because this is history. And it's interesting. We, uh, we've talked a lot. A lot of people talked about how so many films about the Holocaust have been nominated for the Academy Award for either best documentary feature, best documentary short or best drama. And, you know, when you look at the sheer volume of them, sometimes it's easy to get a little cynical. We just talked about the reader. The reader is a bad movie. I'm going to it's, say it's, it's, dull, it's yeah. actually just it's really doesn't work as mm. a film. I just I think it's genuinely a bad movie. Uh, but the intent of keeping these stories alive is important because we've seen in like lately how easy it is for people to sort of lose the narrative thread here yeah, and yeah. miss the point about why we can't repeat this and what sorts of actions lead to these horrors being repeated because it's not about just like oh we're, we're oh world war ii is on us now oh we'll just stop right now it's like no it's about stopping many steps before that and preventing these kinds of attitudes and political regimes from gaining and political ideologies from gaining power in the first place mm. and so if you were cynical about stuff like that i can i get it i've been cynical about it too but i've been completely I've learned my viable lesson and this is so important and mm. this, please this is a really good short I highly recommend it um, moving on next up is a film directed by Bren, Ben Proudfoot and composer uh, Chris Bowers it's called A Concerto is a Conversation uh, Chris Bowers is a composer he worked on uh, the movie Green Book mm. uh, he also worked on that what was that Ava DuVernay miniseries um Oh, I don't know. Uh, when They See Us. He worked oh. on that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he wrote a concerto, and he decided to do a documentary about that concerto, but also about his relationship with his grandfather, who was dying of cancer. And he wanted to make sure he got his grandfather's stories mm. uh, on, on camera while he still could. And so it's a very short documentary. It's about ten minutes long, but it's really dense, actually. There's a lot here. Um and it's him talking to his grandfather in these really intimate conversations and his grandfather explaining, you know. And, and he's a young man. He's like 30. Uh, Chris Bowers. Chris Bowers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his, yeah, his grandfather is very, very old. And, um, and he's talking about how when he was young, he saw like a, a white child refer to his father as mm. quote unquote boy. And mm. his father having to just deal with that because that's where they were living at the time. And he made a vow that he would not live like that mm. and how he pursued and through a series of happenstance he got on a bus and said where's this going and they said los angeles and he was like great i'm going there <laughs> and like he got to los angeles and he needed a job so he looked in like the classifieds and he just looked in the letter like a and under the letter a boom he found himself a job working in um uh dry cleaning mm. and that's how he made his money and then he pursued he started getting good at it and he tried to get a bank loan and he couldn't do it so he started applying by mail and when they couldn't see that he was black he started getting money because he was really qualified <laughs> and it's, it's a really powerful he's very he's very warm 
mm. uh, in his storytelling, but he's very frank about the racism that he dealt with over the course of his life. His relationship with his grandson is very sweet. Mm. Um, and it's a nice documentary. And again, it brings these stories to life. And it's, it's a nice documentary. It's about talking to your grandfather. Yeah. He had, he has, he has an interesting story. Um, a lot of them. It's, um, and this is not a disparagement to him as a person, but it's not a very interesting film. I want to spend more time just talking to that guy. Yeah. I, I don't want to see a 10 minute documentary short about how his grandson has a show at Disney hall and yeah. he's on stage at the Oscars when Green Book won. It felt a little self-congratulatory of the, the Academy. The, the bit about Green Book struck me as a little, like... Because on one hand, look, he's, he's talking about how because he persevered over a racist system, mm. he was able to get his children like a good education, they could pursue what they wanted, and now his grandson is succeeding, mm. and he's very proud of that. Good. And, and he, he gives him a really wonderful piece of advice for anybody who's... Um, suffering from imposter syndrome mm. he he's at at disney concert halls like well, I'm, I'm very young um i'm not supposed to be here i don't i feel like i don't i'm not supposed to be in this space and mm. his grandfather says if you're there you, you earned it you deserve to be there yeah yeah you're where you're supposed to be mm. it is good advice uh but yeah the bit where they cut to julia roberts saying then the winner is green book mm. i actually had to look it up for a second because the implication based on the context is that Chris Bowers won an Academy Award for scoring Green Book. He did not. He didn't. He, he pl- uh, it's about a musician. The yeah. Mahershala Ali character uh, was a, a musician, and he did, like, the piano work. Yeah. No, and, 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 and good fact, for him. And, in fact, he was, like, the, the piano stunt hands in a few shots in the movie. Yeah, and, and hmm. seriously good for him. Uh, but at the same time, he wasn't even nominated for that Academy Award, so... It reminds me of there was an ad in front of movies for a long time. It was like 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, it was for like the history of the Academy Awards. And they would like air this montage in like January and February um, as they ramped up to the Academy Awards. And it would be like, you know, here's Bob Hope giving a speech and here's Tom Cruise walking up to the stage. And they edited this joke. And they lied because the joke, the original joke is my understanding mm. was uh, Bob Hope was hosting the Academy Awards and said, welcome to the so-and-so's annual mm. Academy Awards, or as we call it in my house, Passover. Yeah. Because he's never won Academy Award. I get it. Uh, however, in the montage, Bob Hope says, or as we call it in my house, Mission Impossible. And it cut to Tom Cruise walking up the aisle as though he had ever won an Academy Award in his life. <laughs> <laughs> and especially not for Mission Impossible. And it's just, a, it's a bit of a lie yeah. in the editing room. And this isn't really a lie, but it, it comes across a little weird. It, yeah. It's a teensy bit misleading. Mm. And that isn't the best part of this. And you're right. That that does, I think, knock it down a little notch. Thank you for remembering that. <laughs> um but other than that, it's a sweet short, and I, I do like I did like it all right. when all is said and done. Um, next right. up, it, it, it feels incredibly slight compared to. Oh, very um, well, we're gonna get to Hunger Ward, but uh, oh, God, Hunger Ward, <laughs> Jesus first, Christ! First, we'll talk about uh, Do Not Split. Do Not Split was amazing. Do Not Split is recent history. Yeah. Uh, this is about and. This is something that we were getting sort of like second and third hand information about. We weren't getting it as immediately or as uh, big in the American news cycle. 
Um, well, because American news, the American news cycle isn't super interested in what's going on yeah, abroad, in, just in, in general. International news has always been a weak spot for American uh, journalism. Um, this is why a lot of uh, Americans I know watch the BBC. Yeah. Uh, because they're actually much more, much better about covering yeah. international stories. Yeah, and they'll cover American shit, too, if it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll cover other uh, shit, too, because other shit is also important. But uh, this was going on in 2019, uh, where there was a, a series of uh, protests and riots mm-hmm. in Hong Kong yeah. over uh, the mistreatment of the Chinese government. Yeah, the Chinese now, government had, had taken control of Hong Kong, and they wanted to change in, a bunch of laws. Yeah, in fact, Hong, Hong Kong was its own country, and there was a, like a contract, essentially, yeah. where uh, Hong Kong was only going to be its own uh, state until the year 1997, when it was going to be reabsorbed into China. And lo, that happened. Yeah. Hong Kong was absorbed into China. However, it was still kind of its own thing for a while, and then the, uh, China started to exert more and more authority over Hong Kong, and when this uh, and this documentary is about the protesters, um, and it's very you are there, like yeah, right just, on the front line, just about the protesters. All yeah. all of the footage is like there's some interview footage interspersed throughout, but the bulk of it is just what's going on while the violence is is falling. Yeah. Uh, but they started like enacting laws that said that Hong Kong now had uh, China could now extradite uh, suspected criminals from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. For any reason. And China has like a 90... They say in the movie, China has like a 99% prosecution rate for any suspected criminals. So people are not super happy about this. And also China has a lot of very specific rules about what you can and cannot say about the government. So so even something as like, you know, here in America, if we want, we can say something like, fuck America. And that Mm. may or may not be seen as polite or respectful, but it's a legal right to say it. Uh, it's not necessarily legal right to say that about any other country if you're in it. And in China, that can be the case. And so a lot of people are basically fighting for freedom. Mm. They want freedom. They want actual democracy in place. They want people in charge who will stand up for the rights of the citizens of Hong well, and, Kong. And, and fighting against this scary phenomenon where the Chinese government can essentially spirit you off for any reason. Yeah, which is exactly what they were enacting those laws to do. And so there's a lot of incredibly brave people, mostly young people, but incredibly brave people, uh, who were organizing as many protests as they could in order to present civil disobedience and make it as hard as possible for China to enact all of these laws. They were wearing masks before the pandemic made them fashionable mm-hmm. to the extent that there's a whole part in this documentary where they talk about how the government had to outlaw masks or had to. They chose to outlaw masks basically so that people couldn't hide their identity so they could, they could be arrested more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, police were being incredibly brutal to and, anyone and, who happened to be around. And, and ramping up violence as well. Yeah. So, you know, we get to see the... The riot, riot shields and all the rest and the sort of very paramilitary yeah. police force like like in the United States. Yeah. It, you're watching it and you see the footage and the footage is really stunning. Like mm. it's just incredible and like how bright Hong Kong is at night. It looks like something out of a movie, like a, like a fictional movie. Like you would go for this look, but it's like just really stunning just how oppressive mm. all of... The, it, it looks like a like a like a fascist state. It looks like everything's got to be really bright all the time. There there constant footage of people having to like disable security cameras so that they can actually do their you know mm-hmm. their their protests and their uh, vandalizations in order to make their point known. Um, it's super intense. It's super important. It's 
incredibly thoughtful. It's really exciting, and not like <laughs> not like a fun way, huh. but just in like a like I it's it's you're you're fucking there, mm-hmm. and it feels incredibly immediate. And I love this documentary. I think this documentary is absolutely yeah, one of well, the best shorts nominated this year. And I was happy to watch this almost back to back with a film we reviewed on our last episode called Born in Flames, which yeah. uh, is a very much about. The, the language and the tactics of uh, protest, and not just nonviolent protest, sometimes riotous protest, and the function it serves and the value it has. Yeah. And this one uh, is about a place that is under much graver threat of loss of life and liberty, mm-hmm. and how these are much more immediate and much more important, and how the people engaged in them are, yes, young people. They're students, mm-hmm. they're going to university. And they're really unsure as to how to handle a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but they know they're doing the right thing. Yeah, and they talk about how they're shooting their futures in the foot. Like, there's this young woman that they talk to a lot who is like, yeah, I I had a dream. I wanted to be a teacher. No one would hire me to do that now. Mm. Like, if my identity gets out, people will know that I was a political dissident and I will basically be unemployable. But this is important and I have to do it. (sighs) <sighs> fucking tragedy, man. Speaking yeah. of fucking tragedies. <laughs> oh, God. Hunger Ward is incredibly brutal, and more so than anything else. And there's a lot of, like, really... We're going to use the word harrowing a lot on this podcast, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, this one is actually incredibly vivid, and I do think it deserves a content warning. Mm. You will see in this documentary mm. dead children. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just absolutely horrifying. This uh, this film takes place in Yemen, which has been racked by civil war uh, for for many years, and uh, one of the consequences is famine. Uh, all the sources of yeah. food are just not available, and children are being just left behind to starve in the streets. And yeah. this is about a hospital that gathers up the children who are starving to death. Yeah, malnourished children. Uh, they're yeah. they're incre- in- incredibly malnourished, and you know you can't just sort of start eating again if you're yeah. incredibly malnourished. No, you there's have to be intravenously. Of, there's like, a lot of uh, complicated yeah. processes to get your system working again, and yeah. these are all young children, all under the age of eight, Yeah, who, yeah, are... are down to down to their bones, they're just yeah. skeletally malnourished, and it's about these uh, completely underfunded and completely understaffed and very ill-prepared hospital ward mm-hmm. that is trying to save these children's lives. Yeah, and and, and tangentially, uh, it's also yeah. about the parents and well, grandparents who yeah. bring these kids there and who then have to potentially deal with yeah. the death of their children. Yeah, and. Okay, that is some vivid shit. Mm. That is... Like, we talk about like putting a face on tragedy. You're going to see a lot of faces here. And some of the faces are so malnourished that it's mm. genuinely like difficult to watch the whole documentary. Right. It's just... and But you should, if you can. Because it's important to not shy away yeah, from these yeah. kinds of horrors. And... Again, I'm glad this exists, but man. But it's really, it's hard it's, to sit through. It's, it's hard watch. It's the, it's the longest of the documentary shorts. Yeah. It's the hardest of the documentary Ugh. shorts. And yeah, it deals very directly with death. It, yeah. It's like the end of end of care uh, yeah. documentaries that we've seen in the past. End of yeah. life care documentaries. I really think they did a really handsome job presenting this story, though. Like, they do a mm. lot of, like, really smart um, editing uh, uh, tricks mm. in order to create visual sort of parallels. Uh, between various geographies or various actions yeah. and like basically create 
not just like capturing a moment, uh, but trying to make us feel as though a, an important story is being told by using well, some fictional techniques in order to yeah. tell a non-fictional story. And, but don't don't be mistaken. This is not just tr- trying to get you to look at the hard thing and think about it. Mm-hmm. This is actually also putting it in a broader context. And yeah. there's a lot of edits to bombed out schools yeah. and uh, just bomb, bombed out buildings and homes and how these things are just gone in Yemen because yeah. of this conflict. And it's looking at, without showing combat, without showing the explosions, how these ripples of death continue to permeate throughout a, a place uh, be- as a consequence of war. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and there's, of course, once we see sort of the, the one of these consequences of war, this famine that wasn't it's not part of combat, but it's a result of it. Yeah. Once we see all of these these uh, really dark, harrowing places, to use yeah. the word again, and once we spend time with the people who have taken care of the children, we're given a little button as yeah. to what this context is and yeah. where this death is coming from. And you know what? It's closer than you think. A lot closer. Yeah. Um, it, one of the weirdest, the, the only like weird thing about this documentary, and it's not super weird so much as you just don't see it, hmm. uh, it which I guess makes it weird, but it's saying it's not a critique, um, is a lot of movies open with a quote. Hmm. This opens with, from a quote from the comic book of The Watchmen. Yeah, that was a little odd. And it was <laughs> weird it was because, kind of put me off. Because this is, actually, this, is actually, this is actually an MTV production. MTV isn't necessarily known for its hard-hitting social commentary documentary. It was distributed by Pluto TV. Yeah. Which, and again, I'm glad it was. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, MTV and Pluto TV, for putting this together. It's a great documentary. No denying, no denying it. But when you see the MTV logo, and then the next thing you see is a quote from, I mean, arguably one of the greatest comic books ever written, but still a, a comic like book. A superhero comic book, like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're thinking to yourself, what am I in for exactly? Is this going to be like a cool thing? What are you doing? Unfortunately, no. And the actual quote that they use in The Watchmen is entirely relevant and really bitter, and mm. it's a good quote. If it was in anything, it would be a good quote. So um, that's not a dig at the Watchmen. It's not a dig at Alan Moore. It's not even a dig at MTV. But for a second, I was thrown a little askew. (laughs) And I didn't know what was going to happen in the documentary. And then the documentary settles in very, very quickly and tells you exactly what it is. Uh, But it's really, really good. It's just, boy, is it a hard watch. And then the last documentary is really impressively told like what a what a fascinatingly presented documentary it's another really sad one that's about death and social consciousness but uh, this is called a love song for latasha uh which is about uh, a young a young girl uh latasha harlins uh who was and this is based on true story they they tell you the story of how it happened in the film but uh, she was shot by a convenience store owner in 1991 and she was a child yeah she she yeah. was i think she was 13 and yeah. um, she had gone in there to this, buy uh, to buy some juice had money to buy the juice and the convenience store owner just assumed the worst and killed her mm. And this is one of the many things that led to the uh, riots in the early 1990s. Yeah, the, the, the following Rodney King, but this was, yeah, a big was part of it. Big and, tapestry. Uh, yeah. There, um, I remember when it happened. Mm. I, 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 was, I was in junior high school in 1981, and uh, I, I remember hearing the story. And I didn't get to see the footage on the news, just because I was too young to really kind of be paying attention to I news programs. Either, yeah. 
but they played like the security camera footage of this young girl's death on the news and they they sensationalized it and they talked about it a lot. So, uh, the filmmakers of a love song for Natasha, uh, it was directed by Sophia Nahali Allison, uh, chose instead, instead of making it into this sensationalist, violent dirge where we're getting uh, sort of a, a hand wringing or darkened thrill yeah. from her death. Yeah, they very pointedly we, uh, do not show that footage. They do, yeah, they they're they're staying away from that footage, and instead we're talking to the people who knew her. Yeah, and what her life was like, and who she was. Yep. It's who she really was good. when she was alive, who this yeah. who this human being was. And they're doing so not just through interviews, not just through talking heads, but through some really artfully presented uh, animated sequences uh, where we just sort of hear people talking about her and who it, she it was. It turns what into this sort of abstractive, about. almost abstract mm. meditative state where yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's it, really, really it, a good approach. It's not a, it's not a dirge. It's actually sort of uh, awake. Yeah. For for this young yeah. person who was you know, yeah. taken it's, from it's us. It's sad and it's mournful, but there's also a lot of celebration of her life because apparently she was awesome. Now, it doesn't <laughs> matter if she wasn't awesome. Mm-hmm. She didn't deserve that to be a tragedy regardless. But to hear the people who knew her and the impact that they had, that she had on them to this day, is just, again, this is about taking a story that you might hear on the news and making it real, making it feel like you're at that wake. And through a series of footage, I, if I'm guessing, I assume some of it was recreated. Um, but uh, it really does put you in Southern California. Mm. It makes you feel like, you know, you're on on the corner with them as they hang out as their kids and they're in a restaurant and like playing, you know, stand by me on the jukebox. Mm-hmm. You're, you're there. You're absolutely there. It is absolutely just vibrantly told. And then, yeah, once the, the tragedy occurs, it stops showing you f- footage you recognize and starts showing you more visual abstractions because, you, there's no documentary footage about what goes on inside like the human soul. Mm. And that's very, 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 it, 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 it's playing with what a documentary can be. Uh, this is something that I remember Errol Morris was like mm-hmm. part of some controversy for when he did the thin blue line, because there are a lot of recreations in that movie. But the important thing is that we're trying to bring a fact to life and the fact of human emotion mm-hmm is not necessarily something that comes across on camera. And I think this does a really haunting job of making the grief over, uh, uh, over her death, uh, very palpable and very immediate and do it and does so without resorting to sensationalism at all. Mm. Uh, this is, there's a lot of really good documentaries. Like, seriously, <laughs> these are all really good documentaries. Even the one that like we had a legit critique of, which is uh, a concerto as a conversation. Even mm. that one's still really good. It's still it, yeah. yeah it's, it's yeah. got like one weak point that probably didn't need to be in there. Like it's my least favorite, but it's yeah. not. It's not. These bad. are all really good. This is a good crop of documentaries mm. this year, and you know it's not important that we pick the best one or which one we think would win. 
Uh, but there's like at least three of these that I think are just absolutely superlative. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, if, if you're looking to win your Oscar pool, a love song for Latasha might be the, the, the smart bet, but I, I can't say. No, it's uh, hard and, to say. And, I, and I'm not going to say. I'll just say, watch these short films. Yeah. I would uh, say. But if, yeah, if, if, yeah. If you um, don't want to see a film about children starving to death, I yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, Who can blame you? It, it's yeah, it's really really hard to sit through, yeah. but uh, it's. I think, I think it is an important message that I you're agree. getting out of this. It's not yeah. just for misery's sake. Yeah. So yeah, by all means, try to see all of these. Films. I, I think the two that stood out as if you're like, want to win your Oscar pool, or if I just had to pick mm-hmm. uh, which one I liked best, it would probably be "Do Not Split" or "A Love Song for Latasha." Those are both. If you if you only have time to see two, and they're shorts for God's mm-hmm. sakes, make the time. Uh, those would be two. I'd say definitely don't miss those. They're really impressive filmmaking. Yeah. Um, let's move on. You want to do live action shorts or animated let's shorts? Do, next? Let's do live action because okay. uh, live action uh, also tend to be about very harrowing subjects. Yeah, this is one of those rare years where it none of them are about death. That's not true. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, one of one, them is about repeated. Death. One, one of them is about death. Um, one of them. Okay, that's, so you just lied. Well, you're right. I, one of them is about is about death in a very in a very interesting way. Yeah, but it is about serious issues, and it is it's, about death. yeah. It's it's yeah. but in a way, it's sort of cheating death. Yeah, we need to talk uh, so, about that one, so, but um, we'll get to it. Let's do alphabetical. Alphabetical. Order. The first one alphabetically is feeling through, which is a, a sweet little snapshot of a film. Yeah, uh, it's about a young man who is. Uh, in, he's in New York. He's looking to go to a date, of, uh, uh, go on a date, and he has yeah. to go out and meet, meet his date. And but he's stuck. He has no ride. Yeah. And he gets uh, further stuck when he finds himself uh, having to help a man who is deaf and blind. Yeah. Just sort of get around, get yeah. get get a drink, and get on the bus and he, go home. He's standing on a corner, very just holding up a, mm. a, a little card saying, "I am deaf and blind. Could you please help me?" cross the street and find my bus stop. Mm. And the guy just says, well, yeah, I can do that. And so he helps him do that. And he ends up, you know, finding a way to communicate with this guy by like writing in his hand on his finger Mm. so that they can have conversations. And he ends up just sort of helping this guy get home when he needed a little help. He's actually very self-sufficient, but he needed a little help that Mm. night. And, the uh, deafblind uh, character is actually played by a deafblind actor named Robert Tarango. And this movie has, I don't know how true this is, but this movie has been marketed as the first film of any kind in which the star is a deafblind actor. And, and I, I can't, I, I can't refute that. I know, I know quite a few movies that have starred deaf actors, blind actors, but to the best of my knowledge, I can't think of an example of this either. Um, it's, yeah, this one feels like you're. I think you called it a snapshot. There's like yeah. this little, this little moment. It's not a huge story. They don't have to like. They don't end up like witnessing a murder. There's nothing <laughs> huge like that. It's this guy trying to help a guy get on his bus, yes. and, uh, and he's kind of a selfish kid. You know, yes, he's he's, he's, a, he's a he's a younger guy. He's yeah. he's impatient. Yeah, uh, and and you can tell he's really uncomfortable with touching at first, mm-hmm. but he realizes that that's the way he has to communicate with this man is is only through touch. Yeah, so he ends up he gets more and more comfortable with this idea, and they very quickly formed form this kind of bond. Yeah, they become friends very briefly. Like they care, or maybe not friends, but they for, care about each a, other's fate for a moment, for like yeah. 20, 30 minutes. Mm. They're each other's whole world. And 
this really beautiful and it's really just mm. heartwarmingly presented. It's presented with a lot of dignity. It's not, again, it's not sensationalizing this. It's not talking about, oh, whoa, is this man? Mm. He's actually great. He was on a date. <laughs> he's coming home from a date, that, yeah. which is why he needs help. He's, yeah, he's, he's not in his home neighborhood. Yeah, he doesn't know where he is. So, mm. like, he needed a little help, and someone very politely helped mm. him. And they formed a nice little connection. And at the end of the night, the young man who helped him is a better person. Yeah. Not that dramatically so. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, it's like the only function of this other human being who is uh, differently abled. Just to uh, redeem it, him in some Yeah, th- that would be just, bullshit. But no, it's just, he just like. He did a kind thing and realized that he can be a good per- good guy. Yeah. And I like that. Mm. And I think it's really sweet. It's really nicely presented. The acting's really, really good. Mm. Um, I like think Ro- that it works. It's, like, a good, it's a good short. Robert Tarango and the other lead, his name is uh, Stephen Prescott. And yeah. he, he's really good, too. They're, they're both excellent. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. Mm. It's a really, really good film. I, I highly recommend this one. Um, I, it's so simple, however. There's not as much to talk about, so we're just going to move on. The next one is a film called The Letter Room, mm. uh, which is uh, written and directed by Elvira Lind and stars Oscar Isaac as a security guard at a prison who has been... Uh, he's like he's he's middle aged. He's he lives alone. He doesn't have a, a, a life or a career to speak of, and, and it, he's been pursuing uh, upward he, advancement for a long time. And he litters. One of the one of the first <laughs> shots is he he's uh, he's eating his lunch in his car, and he's yeah. like scarfing it down real fast because he has to be somewhere fast. He chugs like a milkshake, yeah. and he throws it at a trash can, and it just splatters all over the door of the tra- <laughs> like that one of those little swinging doors. Yeah. And uh, instantly I think, oh no, he's like a villain of some kind. Yeah, that's what I thought <laughs> that's, too. That's the vi- the film language you usually get. But, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's a little more complicated He's actually that. kind of a, a he, he's a, a simple kind of lonely guy, yeah. but he's decent. He's mostly decent. He makes some, he makes some odd choices. Decisions, makes some questionable but... decisions, but it mostly works out okay. So he's uh, he, he's been working on death row. He's befriended a death row inmate and uh, he finally gets the promotion he's been looking for. And unfortunately it's not the job he wanted. But he'll take it. Mm. And his new job is he's in charge of prisoner communication, which is a fancy word for every time a prisoner gets a letter, you have to open it and make sure that they're not Mm. receiving contraband. Make sure that there isn't like anything in there that is they're not receiving porn, that uh, they're not like that. The paper hasn't been dipped in drugs. Like, yeah, basically. uh, and And he's told like you're allowed to look at it, but you're not supposed to read them. You're supposed, you're supposed to scan them quickly and make sure there aren't any like keywords that we need to know and make sure they don't contain anything that they shouldn't have on the on the cell block. Um, so he immediately starts reading them, and because he's very lonely, not forgivable, but lonely. Uh, and he discovers that there's a death row inmate who has a woman who has been writing him letters. They're very sensual letters, but they're very sad because mm-hmm. obviously he's going to die. And he starts getting really uh, uh, sucked into their little world. He also finds out that when the death row inmate he had befriended uh, finds out what his new job, he, the guy asks him, my daughter hasn't written me in years. I'm worried that the last guy who had your job hated me. Would mm-hmm. you please check to see if there were any letters that never went through? Yeah. And in, he, in, in a subplot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That actually has a has a really great payoff to that subplot. I'm not yeah. going to ruin it, but I was like, I was worried how they're going to end that subplot. And I was like, actually, you came up with the perfect ending for that one. I'm not going to lie. Like, this is, it's it's yeah, tricky he's, because he's doing something unethical. He's yes. doing something unethical, but it's an understandable sort of curiosity. Yeah. 
it and, feels it, like, and it has been and it is his assignment to do so so yeah. you know, the actual line of what he's doing is really really uh blurry and he doesn't get like a big seminar in terms of like here are the ethical lines we can and do not draw here's what you're allowed to do here's what you're yeah. not allowed to do he gets like a one and a half gets, minute gets, explanation yeah, got, of his job and they just go to she, it she, yeah she writes uh his boss uh writes down on a chalkboard behind him that we're looking for drugs porn and violence and just those three words on a chalkboard yeah. and it's like and that's it uh you scan the letters you can't read them all that's your new position go yeah that's that's you're the, in this that's room his, now yeah. and this then you deliver the letters when you're done boom and yeah it, so he's just it, honestly it feels like the setup to a hitchcock story where like here's your yeah, job he, he doesn't cover some sort of plot yeah, yeah i read i read prisoner mail but i can't reveal how I know this stuff without putting myself in jeopardy because I broke the law. Mm. Um, but what he discovers is that in the letter, uh, it turns out there might be someone corresponding with a prisoner who is in dire need. Mm. And unfortunately he's not allowed to do anything or even reveal that he knows anything about someone who is in a prison, who is, who isn't an inmate. Mm. And that puts him in an odd ethical situation. Um, this is a very glossy film it feels well, it's, most it's, like a like a movie yeah and and uh these types of movies tend to be the winners again if you're if you're actually yeah. putting money on this live thing. action shorts they like yeah. movies that feel like short like movies, live action features yeah. Yeah. and and that's that's fine that this shows that you can tell really interesting stories in just 35 minutes uh if you didn't already know that from television yeah uh I or like Oscar. I like Oscar Isaac. He's I, good. He's he's just a good actor in general, and he's playing a really go, uh, interesting character here. You're saying he's doing these ethically dodgy things, but he never comes across as a bad man. No, but uh, he's, he's doing something I don't approve of necessarily. Well, and also yeah. he's a he's a prison guard, and in fact, yeah. uh, he uh, he gets yelled at a lot just for being a prison guard because yeah. that's not the most ethical profession necessarily. Well, there's there's a bit where um, I think it's Aaliyah Shawkat mm-hmm. shows up later in the film and. Um, she talks about like how like yeah you work in a place where they kill people mm. you don't have the moral high ground on me and he's like well, that's not how I look at it but kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and he, mm. yeah it's a good point it's a fair point mm. um yeah it's 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 a sweet little melodrama that I feel like goes touches on some darker places but is afraid to really go there most of the time it ends up feeling like well, a well, little sweeter than maybe it maybe it should. Well, I, I think there's a there's a late film reveal that mm. kind of takes the edge off of a lot of it. I'm wondering. And, and puts, I wonder if puts, to a and, fault though. Yeah, and, and puts like the audience in a much more comfortable place. I was relieved just because I know how horrible these these short films <laughs> can go. True. Uh, so I was actually, and it actually is in keeping with the tone of the piece, where he's mm. uh, kind of this curious guy who is pretty much a decent soul and wants to do the decent thing and uh turns out he's he's okay with where he is he doesn't get punished for his curiosity no no and and honestly again the actual ending of the movie there's like a little short shot that's just kind of cute in the credits but the actual ending of the story before the credits the last scene is really good writing yeah, it's handled really, really well. It's exa- it's exactly how this subplot should end. It it reveals what it needs to reveal. It hides what it needs to hide, and it gives all the characters the right moment, even if it's not the moment they expected or the audience expected. Yeah, that's good. As it stands, it's I feel like it's almost too glossy for its own good. 
Like maybe it would have been better if it like dealt with some of the darker stuff a little bit more directly and then didn't pull as far away. Mm. Uh, but it's still a very well made short and I do like it a lot. Okay. Um, let's move on uh, to the present. The present. This is this is one. This is another one I thought was going to be so fucking dark. And, yeah, there, there's a. Oh, it's still it's still shitty. Like it, it's a bad situation that it's, it's about, but it's yeah, not it's, nearly as horrifying as I thought it was going to be. It's essentially about border security between Israel and Palestine, and yeah. um, and when I say border security, I mean guys with guns. And, yeah, uh, at a at a at a gate. At a, yeah, and and it's about uh, this uh, this man, this married man with a young child mm. who needs to go through the gate to go shopping. Yeah, it's his wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. and their refrigerator is on the fritz, and his gift for his wife is he's bought her a refrigerator, but in order to get that refrigerator, uh, he needs to cross the border. Mm-hmm. And crossing the border in the first place is a problem because the guys at the border are assholes. and They're, they're, like, they're soldiers. They're looking for criminals. Yeah. And, and, and even if they have to invent one. Yeah, and, uh, and, and also there's just shitty attitudes about Palestinians, and... Uh, they, you know, they, they put him in lockup for no reason whatsoever. And he's just there. It was supposed to be a short trip and it ends up taking him all day. He's got his little daughter with him. They don't attend to his daughter. So she ends up actually having to like, she actually like pees herself because they don't actually take care of her while he's in lockup. So he's got to deal with that too. Then they end up, you know, trying to get this refrigerator, but then, well, Unfortunately, when, once, once he gets to go shopping, it's like okay, now life is normal for a moment. Yeah, and everything well, seems fine. Stuff, and, and the, then, but then he has to go back over the border again with a refrigerator. Yeah, and so like the guy actually offers to drive him across the border with refrigerator because that that would be the, a lot the, easier. And the guy's like, the, the "Thank fridge, you." The fridge sales guy. Yeah, is. the fridge sales guy. I will drive you across with the refrigerator, and the guy's like, "Thank you." And then they get to the the border. Uh, crossing where um, mm. where cars can get through and the guard just isn't letting people through that day yeah it's just, <laughs> that's it's just, it there's it's no just reason clo- it's just closed now it's just there's no reason the guy's right there they're just not doing it and so they're stuck and so he has to do it by hand and then it starts raining and his back is hurting him and it's just such a simple thing he's trying to do and uh, and it's so fucking hard <laughs> And and he and he starts to snap a little bit. Yeah, like, and you're like, worried this is going to get really like bad he starts yelling. It's like we're not going to let you through. You got to stay here. You're 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 in detention now. We're detaining you. And he's just like, my house is right there. I, you can see I my just house. I to take a fucking fridge back to my wife. It's a man of oh my god, are you assholes? And he starts yelling at the soldiers, yeah. and the soldiers are getting like they're a little trigger yeah. happy, like they're. Holding yeah. their guns a little bit and more without tightly, revealing and getting... where it goes. Like we thought, this uh, was going to end in like absolute nightmare yeah. tragedy. I'll, I'll just say, well, I, I won't say anything. But, not, um, it, it doesn't. It, it, avoids, end, it doesn't. End, it avoids tragedy. It avoids. <laughs> it avoids the worst case scenario you're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it manages to do so without feeling like a cop out, and no, that's really but, important. Yeah. That's really important because if this had just been like, oh, and everything was fine, yay, and the, and the guards came over for the anniversary party, and we all had cake, like, no, that would feel like you're mm-hmm. completely undermining what the story is really about, and that is whether the story ends tragically or just in a bittersweet kind of uh, of manner, life is way too complicated and way too difficult, and there's this is not how it should be. This makes no sense, and I think the story conveys that really, really lovely. It's in a lovely way. It works really, really well. Um, the next one is a film that I'm really kind of mixed on because on mm. some hands I think it's kind of brilliant. On the other hand, I think it, it kind of, kind of whiffs at a smidge. Uh, but mm. this is called two distant strangers. Yeah. 
And it opens with uh, a young black man. He wakes up in the bed of a woman that he met last night. Mm-hmm. They had a really nice time. They just had a one-night stand. Yep. But uh, but they like each other. They like each other a lot. They have a lot of really fun dialogue together. They're interesting people. And he has to go because he has a dog at home. And the dog mm-hmm. needs to be fed. So he's got to go. And, and we see the dog at home. He has like a, like an app on his phone that can like activate a feeder. So we actually get yeah. to see him interacting with the dog. Yeah, then the, the feeder has like a little camera on it so you can see his dog is okay. And it's really, really sweet. And so he goes outside. And, and, but, and he's a really sweet guy. Yeah, he's nice. He's, he's really awkward. He's very kind. Yeah. He actually is very nice. And I, and I love the conversations he has with the woman he's just spent the night with because mm-hmm. she's actually very forthright and they have yeah. really good rapport. Yeah, so uh, in a very movie sort of way. So he goes outside mm-hmm. and uh, he 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 lights up a cigarette. He's having a good morning, uh, and then he accidentally bumps into somebody, and it turns into a brief "Hey, watch where you're going" kind of moment. And then a white cop says, "Hey, what's going on here?" And the guy's like, "Oh, nothing. I just accidentally bumped into a guy." And the cop says, "Is that a what are you smoking there? It doesn't smell like weed. It doesn't smell like a like." Like a cigarette, and the guy's like, "Well, it is a cigarette," mm. and the altercation escalates and escalates and escalates until the cop ends up choking him to death in the street, and then he wakes up in bed again. Mm. And you realize that we're in a time loop movie, yes. but we're in a time loop movie where the loop is uh, is a, closed a, off when when a white cop murders a black man, and he realizes and, over the uh, he tries to come up with different ways to avoid being killed by this racist white cop and the theme is rather obvious isn't it that Mm -hmm. this these kind of people are out there and it doesn't matter what you do if they're the kind of person who would kill you Mm. for the color of your skin they're gonna do it no matter what you do whether you do something that you know they can justify or not Uh, and by they can justify, I mean they can write it in a report and get away with it. I don't mean like it's actually justified. Um, that's a really yeah, sharp is... pitch for a short film. That's it, yeah, that's it's... that's some f- fucking say it again, it, harrowing. That's some harrowing it, shit. It get, and it goes into um pretty wild fantasy territory pretty early on though. Yeah. Like he um. Uh, our main character goes out into the street. The cop is down there and no matter what's going to happen, this cop is going to find some way to talk to this guy and kill him. Yeah. Uh, so he says, how about I just don't leave? Yeah. And this is, this, happened, this is like one of the earlier times. So this isn't, mm. a, it isn't a big twist. Uh, what if I just stay and have breakfast here in this woman's apartment? Yeah. And I just, and you know, I go, go back to my dog a little bit later. Yeah. When the cop and, won't be there. Yeah. And when that happens, the cops break into the apartment and kill him there. Yeah. So there's there's like this weird sort of tales from the crypt kind of fatalism mm-hmm. to what's going on here. It's not just about incidental racism, although it is about that. Yeah. And indeed, there's going to be a twist later on that reinforces this weird kind of fatalism. And that's the thing. For a moment yeah. here in this movie, I was really worried that we were going to come up with some kind of happy ending here mm. where everything turned out okay and there was a situation in which we all had a truce and everything worked out and i was like if this that's how this ends that's going to feel like cheat it's going to feel it feels, it feels like we're cheating it's going to feel like you know we've we've come up with some kind of sugary solution for a problem which doesn't have a solution that's trite it doesn't have a care bear's solution mm. and to the film's credit, it doesn't go there. 
But I do feel that the ending that we do get, without telling you what it is, I feel like they're trying to suggest that it ends with a certain degree of hopefulness. At least that's like maybe one of the characters' attitudes. Mm. But for me, I just feel like we've been trapped. We're just permanently trapped in hell. Yeah, and I just feel like the tone maybe the the tone is is a little different. The the tone is contrast is weird. Yeah, the tone is actually kind of. I said like none of these films are about death. This is about death. It's about this this yeah. man who's getting killed multiple times, and, 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 and there is blood in this movie. But yeah. uh, but the tone of it isn't that of a horror movie. It feels more like a like a thriller, like a Hollywood thriller. It's I think it's really kind of slickly presented. The yeah. fantasy element is really it starts kind of off rolled like with. the first like five um, minutes. You mm-hmm. think it's going to be a really fun romantic comedy, or mm-hmm. maybe some story about a guy who just has trouble getting home to his dog. And I was down for that because <laughs> the characters were good, the writing mm-hmm. was good, it was well produced. Um, and the the sudden shift was shocking, mm. but also highly effective because these things just come out of nowhere sometimes, yeah, yeah. and that's something that we need to discuss. And then it you know revealed its hand, and here's what we're doing: we're doing a time loop movie with a very serious and very horrifying political uh, angle, which mm. again, that's actually a good pitch for that. Uh, but the trick is finding the right ending, and I'm not entirely sure they nailed it. Uh, they, but I yeah, do they, think they got pretty close, and, and they and over the credits they do call attention to, to um, they they list the names yeah. of of all of just in the last couple of years all all of the black not well not all no, of them but no, many but it, of the the black people have been murdered by the police for for uh, no reason for, whatsoever for no re- and, and, and like what they were doing when they were being murdered they yeah. were getting a drink yeah uh, and yeah. sleeping in bed that yeah. kind of thing like just and then you yeah. realize just like how completely pointless and how mm. absolutely horrifying the situation yeah. um, The reality of uh, racist cops murdering black people yeah. uh, is, is a, I mean, it's just permeating everything, and I'm glad we're talking about it. And as we record this episode, there's a big trial going on. Uh, oh, with uh, Derek Chavan. Derek yeah. Chavan. Yeah. And um, to the point where it's part of our cinema language now as well. Uh, look at something like The Hate You Give, hmm. which is about police violence. Uh, yeah. But more specifically, we're now seeing, and this is the second time in recent memory I've encountered it, where we're using fantasy tropes and uh, genre uh, plot exercises mm-hmm. to explore this issue. The other <laughs> one was a, a time travel film mm-hmm. called See You Yesterday, yeah. which was about uh, two young kids who discovered time travel yeah and they use it to go back in time to stop a police shooting and every Mm. time they try to do that they fail and the idea is this is this dark inevitability in the world and that's sort of the the feeling i got from this as well well it also reminds me of a little bit of i I actually didn't see uh Mm. that one but it reminded me a little bit of something we might see in tales from the hood Oh, there you Which go. I yeah. maintain is one of the best horror movies of the 1990s. It's very good. That movie is excellent. If you haven't seen it, 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 it was advertised like it was a broad comedy. It's not what it is. Uh, there's comedic elements. There's comedic and, elements, and, and there's Clar- some, um, some of them are funnier than others. Is, is but Clarence Williams who plays the, the Crypt Keeper character? Yeah, yeah. so like uh, uh, basically it is a bunch, it is an anthology film, again, like Tales from the Crypt, uh, but of uh, horror stories mm. about the black experience and... Most of the stories are really mm-hmm. spot on and really freaky, and they have a real point of view. Mm-hmm. 
that's a legitimately great ambitious horror movie. They did one or two sequels lately, which I'm actually embarrassed about. I haven't seen yet. I keep meaning around to get to them, mm. but like, yeah, this feels like it would have been a really, really good installment of Tales from the Hood as yeah. well, because again, it just it is directly confronting actual real life issues with this genre angle. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a way to do it. It's just you know sometimes you just hope that it's doing the story justice and i think they do a pretty good job but i don't know this is actually one of my want to watch again just before mm-hmm. i decide like whether or not i'm actually like i think they nailed it or not but yeah. then again it's also really not my place to say mm-hmm. whether or not they nailed this because it's not um you know it's not my story um it's i don't mm-hmm. know it's so fucking <laughs> fucking sad man uh the final film is called white eye oh and, yeah uh, and white eye is um for, it's another Israeli film, and it's uh, very reminiscent of Bicycle Thieves. Uh, it's about a fellow who finds his stolen bike locked to a post and wants to uh, find out who stole it and catch the guy who did it and get his bike back. He's really yeah. angry that his bike was stolen. And uh, Sorry, it, to, 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 be, to be fair, the president, the president is from Palestine. It's not Israeli. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, uh, it's not it's, technically yeah, it's, it's a Palestinian film. Yeah, uh, yeah. This one is an Israeli film. Yeah, thank you. And, um, this one is most certainly an Israeli film. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this this uh, man has called the police and says, that's my bike. And the police say, okay, we can't really do anything about it. We can't just sort of take your word for it that this is your bike. Well, they, they say, like, have you filed yeah. the police report? And he says, yeah. yeah. And they say, okay, let me look for that. I don't see that. And the guy's like, well, that's your problem. I filed yeah. the police report. <laughs> and so they said, listen, we'll send a car over. But then the, the car shows up and he's like, this is my bike. And they're like great, we can't just take your word on that. Yeah, we have we to actually, just... like, talk to whoever mm. has this bike. And, and so and the cops leave, and, and he they... take, takes it upon himself to investigate a little bit. So he finds out that there's uh, a guy working in the building right next to the mm. bike uh, who claims to own this bike. He claims he bought mm. it legally. Um, and even and then the, his boss there says, look, this might very well have originally been your bike, but he bought it not knowing mm. that it was stolen, so really, it's kind of his now, and the guy doesn't want to let it go. And what he eventually realizes is that in mm. not letting this go, what he has done is mm. expose this guy to immigration. Yeah. Uh, and now he's just going to, even though he all he needed was a bicycle so that he could take his like very young child to school in the morning... Mm. And because this guy decided that his needs were more... And, and he... Listen, his bike was stolen. Mm. But because he decided to prioritize his bike over listening to anyone else, he may have destroyed someone's life. Mm. And it's about him dealing with that. And it's all it's all done in one shot. Which is... Typically, actually pretty good. Actually pretty t- effective here. Typically a gimmick, but it serves a function. Here. I think it serves a function. I think it really hammers home just how much happens in such a short amount of time Mm. and how this guy, this this guy's bike was stolen a month ago. He sees his bike. It's definitely his bike. And within 20 minutes of just sitting on this corner, people's lives have been irrevocably changed. Mm. And that's another one where, again, we're just seeing just how, much can change in such a short amount of time. It's, mm. a, it's a really effective storytelling. It's another one where I'm not 100% sure I love the actual ending. Uh, Without ruining it, the, the, mm. the decision, the last decision made in the film is something where I'm like, does that really mean anything? 
That's I understood why it why it I, happened. I and get why, it. Why I don't he, think why it might work. Why he did that thing? It was sort of like a a, a little little stamp on it. We, I feel like it's, I feel like it's there to be a stamp, not yeah, necessarily to mean true. anything. And, and yeah. we've, we've talked before in the past in previous years about how a lot of uh, makers of short films use them like jokes. Yeah, uh, they construct that is they construct them like jokes. There's a setup and then there's a punchline. Yeah, and uh, I feel like. There aren't so many of those this year, but this is the one that comes closest to it, maybe. Uh, in that there's there's a little bit of a setup, something uh, unfortunate kind of happens, and there's a little punchline to sort of put a button on it. Yeah. I think it functions perfectly well. I did like the one shot. I love the look of this movie. Very good. Just the, the way the... The filmmakers were really careful to sort of capture the geography of this like one street corner and all of the actual spatial continuity and where everything exists in one... Uh, next in relation to one another that is just like first rate filmmaking. And Mm -hmm. I feel like too few films even bother to establish geography anymore. Yeah. No, it's very, Uh, it's very effectively done. I like uh, that there's little uh, like side characters come in. Uh, He's he's going into this building to talk to this guy that he thinks stole his bike Mm. and his bosses get involved and uh, like his managers start talking to the police as well. And, you do realize as a manager, you'd go to bat for your employees. If you're yeah. a good manager, you wouldn't just throw them under the bus. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot going on in a very simple setup. Um, yeah. And I think it's a very admirable film. Again, I actually think these are all very good films for the most part. Like, my one concern is that the film Two Distant Strangers might not work as well as it could. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's one where there's so much... Effect. It's still effective. There's though. so much going on in that movie mm-hmm. that I really do feel like I need to see that one again. And I would also love... Uh, to read some other critics' evaluations on that film because I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily um, I, I would love to see some other perspectives on it because yeah. I think that's that's going to be really important for a film like that. Um, looking at what the best one is, I mean, Jesus, feeling they're through all pretty good. They're this all year, really yeah. really good. I think feeling through might be the one that the Academy is going to be most excited to reward because again, mm-hmm. you know, there's the. You know, the story of the deafblind actor actually got to lead in a film that they love their narratives, but also it's very sweet and yeah. it's very likable. And I think that's really, really good. Um, Two Distant Strangers might be the kind of thing they're excited to do. However, they already did kind of a Tales from the Crypt award winner a couple of years ago with a movie called Skin. Uh, oh, and that was awful. Skin is skin sucks. Skin is so that was the worst film that year. And too, that was yeah. a bad year. <laughs> that was like the year that like Bohemian Rhapsody was winning a bunch of shit. And Skin was the worst film. Like, holy God, Skin was <laughs> Skin sucks. But um so I'm worried it might be too similar to something they just gave an award to that some people will like sort of mentally eliminate it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, if I were to guess, I would say uh feeling through or maybe the letter room since it feels most like a movie. I think the letter room is, yeah. is kind of kind of your your surest bet. But I say watch them all. I really really do. I like all of these movies to varying degrees. Yeah, they're all yeah, they're all very too. well made. Uh, and then lastly, and then most definitely not least, we have the animated short films. These are actually really short this year. Most of them are, uh, are the, the longest one is like 15 20. 50 or yeah, about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes, but most of them are less than 10. Mm. Um and uh, these are all very different films. And very I really like that. And, and, and I really loved four of them. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wonder which one he hated. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk. Oh, I, I know exactly which one he yeah, hated. Yeah. I guess it's the same one that, that rubbed me the wrong way, too. Yeah. But we'll do them in alphabetical order. Uh, the first one is really sweet. It's called Burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W. Uh, and it is about a little rabbit. And the little rabbit has like dug a hole in the ground and decided like he's going to make his hole his home. And he's, like, you see, like, his little plan. He's got, like, a little blueprint. The, the rabbit looks a lot like um, the 
the little hamster from Spirited Away. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're they're very like stylized, almost anime mm. style. This one was put out by Pixar, yeah. who's uh, made a, a big effort to put out some non CG features. Yeah, so this is just a to advan- animated advance film, yeah. the form of animation. And I'm glad they did. Uh, so this little rabbit is like the whole thing is a little rabbit has like found a little spot in the ground and he's gonna make it into his house and he sees a little blueprint and he's very, very excited. He's gonna put a disco ball over his bathtub. Mm. It's so cute. Uh, and then all of a sudden he hears a rumbling and then it turns out he's living next door to some moles mm. and the moles have got this whole network of rooms and it's a much nicer house and it makes mm. him feel really self-conscious about his very modest ambitions. And then it turns out that he also has other next door neighbors living in like a burrow next to his. Mm. And then he's got, and he, so he's trying to find a place where he's not going to feel like he has to hold up to everyone else's burrows and he keeps digging underground and like digging through the houses of various mm. lizards and things. And it's all very much Wes Anderson's fantastic Mr. Fox yeah, and it's man, overall it's, vibe. It, it's almost exact, exactly fantastic Mr. Fox yeah. in terms of its tone. The design is great. All so of, cute. all of the hand-drawn animation, like where we get to see these little uh, single frames of mm. like what a snake's library looks like. Uh, they actually added a, I actually had to pause it a couple times. A lot of good detail. Take in a lot of these cute little details details yeah uh yeah silent no dialogue and uh there's there's a disaster it, it plays out pretty typically yeah for a, a pixar or a disney short no, where a really, there's there's you know yeah. perfect rising and falling action in mm. terms of very traditional structures lessons are learned hearts are warmed mm. i have and, no problem with the short whatsoever the bu- it's and the, delightful and the bunny gets the disco bathroom that it dreams of. i love yeah. that disco bathroom <laughs> the, seriously the sh- it's like six minutes long the mm. short is delightful yeah. Just an absolute treat, and I love it to pieces, and yet it's not my favorite one. Uh, mm. Next up is a film called, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Genius Loci. Genius Loci. Yeah. Um, and this is a really ambitious and very uh, uh, challenging, I think, uh, it, uh, short film. It, it's... Um... It's what you might call psychological realism. It's uh, yeah. very impressionistic, where we get to see uh, the world and, uh, and the city through the eyes of somebody who I think is schizophrenic, although the mm. word is not used in the film. Yeah, um, uh, um, where uh, the, I was going for uh, neurodivergent, but uh, neurodi- yeah, yeah. Um, but basically they they don't view the world mm. the way that the, most of the populace do, and, 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 and so they, so they they look at the world and see just swirling chaos, which is perfect for animation we get mm-hmm. to see just the, the entire world completely deconstruct and, and reform minute to minute and we get to see the emotional experiences of the main character a young woman uh just sort of as she goes out and talks to some people and how the world changes into this strange uh empty gallows space yeah. and how she begins to uh suffer from some uh paranoia yeah. about how she is being seen and how that will ultimately in the eyes of animation physically transform her yeah they never they never explicitly say uh what her condition is Mm. uh which is uh why i'm going to just use the term neurodivergent to just focus on that but um and as a result the movie feels on sometimes kind of scary Mm. sometimes kind of deep and profound Mm. um and sometimes just visually fascinating but um it, there's a definite sense of loneliness to it, a, a, a desperate need for connection uh, and a real struggle to do so. There's a moment about halfway through the film where our mm-hmm. protagonist connects with someone who I think they had like 
a short hookup with or we're close friends to mm. and everything kind of pulls together for a few minutes and you see over the course of this conversation which is not a, not a particularly difficult uh, uh, subjects are being broached. Um, everyone's being perfectly pleasant, but you see the difficulty our protagonist has with just keeping things in focus. Yeah, and that me to me that's the most powerful bit of all, yeah. uh, because that's the bit that I think um, th- there's no romanticizing it. It's yeah, just yeah. the complexity of it. Um, again, this is this is a, an animated short that I feel is not trying to tell a pat story nor is it uh trying it's to a, nor is it trying i think to to be like super melodramatic no and, and hit you in the heartstrings. i think well, it's just trying it's, to convey an experience it's because it's yeah it's not about the story it's not about it's just trying to convey uh yeah what it's like to to see the world through that character's eyes yeah and that's that's fine. That's enough. It doesn't have to be a melodrama. It doesn't have to be a story. There doesn't have to yeah. be a risk here other than the difficulty of living day to day and having by a, what looks like a bad day. Yeah. It's, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, the next and, one. And, and yeah. I love the look. It's all yeah. it's like very it's watercolory and it's all yeah. very swirly. It's really, really cool looking animation style. Uh, the next one is yeah. called If Anything Happens, I Love You. This is a Netflix film. This is a Netflix film. It's another. It's a. It's very short. It's twelve minutes long, and it is about a man and a woman. They're, they're in black and white. They're married, uh, and they're eating across from each other at a table, and they're not saying anything. Mm. And then we see their shadows, or maybe their souls. It's a little nonspecific. Uh, emerge from ab- uh, like above them, mm. and they're fighting. Yeah, it's the, but they're... the actual people aren't saying any words. Mm. And so this is all about things that are remaining unsaid. Yeah, the subtext is is acted out by their shadows. And there's no dialogue in this one. Um, And uh, another shadow appears next to them, and it's the shadow of a young girl. Yeah. uh, Who comes out of a young girl's room, and the young girl's not there, but the shadow is. And the shadow is peacekeeping and sort of uh, injecting Mm. memories so that their uh, days are a little bit more peaceful. We figure out... She's dead. We figure out extremely (laughs) quickly that she's dead. And that's that's enough. That's... Mm. That would tear any relationship apart. Maybe that relationship can be repaired, but mm. that's a lot to go through. And there's a so lot that's being that's under the surface. Here's a lot of emotions that are being said that aren't being said. And here are people who are who say, are falling uh, apart. I say that's you know a, a legit thing to make a story about. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to tell a story about. For about However, six or seven minutes, it had me, and I was like, oh, okay. you know, like this is I kind of straightforward, uh, but it, it was, is very sad. It was, and was straightforward. I, was sad. I think it was kind of mawkish. I think sure. um, they're they're trying to be really stylized but also really traditional at the same time so I actually didn't like the look of this cartoon yeah that's because they're they're trying to yeah they're trying to like make it in this sort of like stark black and white thing but when they see the characters they look like Disney characters yeah. and I don't want to I don't want to in case you want to see this movie for yourself yeah. because it does hinge on like a reveal uh, but I will say this there is a reveal when you find out what happened mm. and I it sounds like we both had the same reaction because when we see the reveal my thought was oh fuck you Fuck you for handling it. Not not the thing. Mm. Not the thing itself. The thing itself is perfectly valid. The way you handled this, and by treating it like a twist, is the kind of bullshit sensationalism mm. that basically turns a real-life horrible thing into a plot point that you thought you could maximize. Mm. And that, for me, 
made me not think about the tragedy of the thing and just and made the me bad think, filmmaking and make me think yeah. about like how you There's thought you a, were really clever for handling it this way. Yeah, there there are a lot of really uh, touchy, really difficult subjects that uh, need to be done well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just a sucky storyteller, and you're actually yeah. going to uh, make something that is very serious seem like just a point for melodrama and that and, is bad storytelling and like that was my and cons- that's part of this and that would that I was did not like this film at all <laughs> that was my concern with two distant strangers where mm. i'm not a hundred percent sure how effectively it conveyed itself because mm. it's definitely trying to approach a serious subject mm. through clever genre storytelling and i'm just not 100 percent sure how effectively yeah. that worked here i know it didn't work yeah here, because it's it definitely just, bad it, and it made me mad at it because the first six minutes or so Yes, it was mawkish. Not going to pretend it wasn't mawkish. But I'm also not going to pretend that the first six minutes wasn't emotionally effective. It was a punch to the stomach. A punch to the stomach is effective, Mm. isn't it? Like, if you're trying to make someone hurt in the stomach, a punch will do that. Not elegant, but it did the job. (laughs) But then, like, it turns out that, like... You, you, you managed to find a way to make it even shittier. Like, oh, but I also poured sugar in your gas tank. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was, you didn't need to do that too. The punch was fine. You really didn't need to do this. And by doing this, you, you just made me less invested in your thing. Yeah. And yeah. that makes me mad. Mm. It, it really makes me mad. But yeah. That, that, that they're just cashing in on real life tragedy in order yeah. to sell uh, a weepy melodramatic moment. Yeah. It's it's really bad. Um, yeah, won't, won't tell you what it is. Um, yeah, but it, 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 I think it's easily the worst short of the year <laughs> for uh, sure. Um, uh, the next short uh, alphabetically is a short called Opera, and this is uh, maybe one of my favorite movies of the year. I <laughs> just period. I'm so glad you're uh, with me on this. Okay. I this is unlike any animated short. I'm, it's yeah. probably been done, but like for me, this is unlike any an, I, animated short I've ever yeah. seen. And I am fascinated by it. And it is the one mm-hmm. film I have seen since the pandemic started uh, where I am mad I don't get to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Like, I'm legitimately, yeah. I think it does a it's... disservice to this film to see it on a small mm-hmm. screen. To be, and for a very distinct reason, not because of the spectacle, but because of the detail. The detail. Uh, this is. And William, you're probably familiar with uh, the works of Chris Ware. He's a yeah. um, cartoonist. Uh, does some really elaborate. He he likes to do v- some very elaborate comics, and he does these like oversized coffee table books where you open yeah. it up, and it's this gigantic two page spread of like, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tiny little drawings just mm-hmm. spread out in this really articulate, almost architectural sort of way. So the point is, you uh, don't just look at the image and go neat and move on. You're you're encouraged to scan, just to, to, to look and really look look at this really closely. Uh, yeah. Imagine that in animated form. Yeah. Uh, but also imagine this as the history of human civilization. Yeah. In uh, one shot. In one, in one, con- one shot, uh, we start at the apex of this really um, mystical looking pyramid. And this being appears at the top of the pyramid. God, a king, it's yeah. hard to say. So the, the, just the, the, the creation forces of, of life. The forces or... of the cosmos, whatever it is, yeah. and pushes uh, something that's tilted off to the side a little bit. And the yeah. camera very slowly pans down this enormous pyramid and the entire frame is full. This whole pyramid is full of 
dozens and dozens of tiny little rooms, each one filled with uh, uh, several little people characters, uh-huh. all interacting in a way that you can read what they're doing. Here's, yeah. uh, here's some school. The... Here's a governmental place. Yeah. Here's some, somebody preparing food. And the way things are connected, mm. this room is on top of that room. Mm. And then when it spills something over the side, the other room picks mm. it up. And it starts going down and down and down the pyramid. And you see all of civilization and how interconnected it is and how it also is a system of castes that are incredibly artificial and how human suffering is at the center of Mm -hmm. a lot of this. And then when it finally gets down to the base of the pyramid... It's it's not an optimistic view of humanity. This is all about exploitation and hurt and torture. And this is a very, very slow pan, but every single time new information is revealed, it's incredibly illuminating. Mm. When it gets down to the base of the pyramid shit hits the fan (laughs) and then it starts scrolling back up again and you start looking at it in a different way oh my fucking god (laughs) what a genius piece of animation this is like i can't even it's difficult to picture like how somebody would even envision this yeah how do you pitch how do you plan it yeah how do you plan this out how do you direct something like this? I've yeah. never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe there's like some epic shots in something like Metropolis. Mm-hmm. But Metropolis had the limitation of being live action. They had to use yeah. special effects. This so, is like, all anime. There, there's a bit in Metropolis, the original silent film Metropolis, not the mm-hmm. anime film, which is also good. Uh, but uh, there's like this big giant pyramid of industrialization, mm-hmm. which is also this like giant like sort of godlike stone structure in which people are being fed into it. Mm. Um, and that's like, that, that feels like the prototype for this maybe, but that's mm. like 1% of how complicated this, this short is. Mm. That's like one tiny little corner. And then you would get to see like 99% more of it in more detail, more interactions, more connectivity, more thematic context, uh, context, Holy fucking <laughs> shit. This is it's just like a grand piece of art. Yeah. It's called opera and it feels like an opera. It's yeah. a story that's an opera of the entirety of human civilization. Yeah. It uh, just it's it's one uh, it's one I watched twice in a row. Uh it's you, you it's, kinda yeah. have to. Yeah, it, it's, it's short. It's only it's, a couple minutes long, but it's, it's yeah, highly effective. Like I, I want to, wa- I want to put it on a, f- I want to put it on before like something like Fantastic Planet. Mm-hmm. And just it feels like a museum it. installation. Yeah, like you just want to see a giant on a wall, mm. and you just want to sit and there watching sit it for in, like yeah, twenty minutes. Sit in a museum and watch it play over and over again. Ah, it's just so fucking good. It's really great. Like seriously, this is some of the most exciting animation mm. I've seen in a while. And again, I'm sure there there, there are precedents for it. But I haven't seen them, yeah. so this was new to me, and this feels very new. So I highly recommend it. And then the last one is—it's cute, but it's like it's such like a big like. Here's this giant construct of all of human civilization and microcosm, and now here's some funny people in an apartment building hanging out. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's an apartment building. It's called uh, and, Yes People. Yes People. It's a, an Icelandic film, and it's about people having a morning and going yeah. through their day yeah. and little tiny moments. And uh, they, the characters are all very broadly designed uh, mm-hmm. and they, they look very cartoonish and their lives are average. 
Yeah. They're okay. They have little miseries and foibles and frustrations throughout the day. I appreciated their little miseries. I yeah. feel like this could have been really twee if it was only yeah, about the cute stuff. But there's like there's an old but the, couple. But the cutesy mis- yeah. miseries. There's a, there's an old couple who are still uh, randy. They're yeah. They still they have sex and everyone in the building can hear them and it's like kind of awkward. But also he has to uh, uh, shovel the walk constantly because it's constantly snowing. And my favorite bit in the whole film is the way she presents him his snow shovel as yeah. though it's his. <laughs> Most heroic thing you could possibly do. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shuffle very well. <laughs> um, there's also a single mom and her teenage son, mm. and they're fine. He's, she, yeah, he, she's she's very uh, very perky and very yeah. positive. She teaches they, like the recorder and like so, yeah. to some kid who doesn't have talent, but then she teaches him what sounds like the theme from Doctor Zhivago, and it <laughs> ends up sort of affecting everybody in the mm. building simultaneously. Yeah. And the only word anybody says in this is "yow." Yeah. Which is uh, sort of a variation on uh, yo, which means yes. Yeah, hence why they're called yes people. Um, There's this, (laughs) the the first time someone speaks in this cartoon, and for a moment I thought I was going to be completely silent, uh, is the old couple is sitting down and she's like reading a book or something and he just sits on the couch and he just farts. Just, just the way you fart when you just you live with somebody and nobody and, and nobody cares anymore yeah. and like you might go excuse me but we all know you do it and it's just not a, not really that embarrassing mm. anymore. So he just lets down like a big blah, and then she goes yo, <laughs> as if to say that's a good one, <laughs> and that's really funny. Um, there's a really really this has a really really sweet vibe to it. It's a very charming short film. Um, there's there's one couple whose life is infinitely more sad than the others because they seem to be just trapped in a loveless marriage. Yeah, well, the, but like what, the the husband seems kind of oblivious, and the the, yeah. the, the wife is like twitching and angry and secretly drinking. Yeah, like but then there's no resolution to any of this. It's not a story. Hmm. This is just it's like. Remember when The Secret Life of Pets was about to come out and mm. the trailer was just a bunch of humans saying goodbye to their pets and then we just saw as soon as the door closed what the pets did? Yeah. And you know how that was a better movie than The Secret Life of Pets? <laughs> Which actually had like a plot. and like, like the, the, movie's, the movie's fine, but like that actual short mm. film I was actually really excited about because I thought that was going to be the whole movie. Yeah. And they really made it work and those bits are funnier than what we get in the film. And it's that kind of thing. It's mm. just little moments in an apartment complex throughout the day. It's very sweet. It's very affable. You should totally see it. But after something like opera or to a slightly lesser extent, Genius Loci or uh, or Burrow, it just feels just kind of... Mm. It, 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 it feels a little unambitious. It, it, <laughs> And there's nothing wrong I'll, with that. I'll, but I'll, I'll, a lot of I'll say this, and uh, and I've actually been to uh, to Scandinavian countries. This feels very Scandinavian. Sure. This uh, and I, I talked recently about a film by Roy Anderson, uh, which is a Swedish film, and this is Icelandic, but uh, it has that that same sort of vibe. The sort of tr- life's mo- life's little moments are the the only ones you really have. Yeah. There's this sort of. Uh, uh, m- mundaneness to the mm. everyday experience uh, that I've seen in a lot of Scandinavian media. Mm. Well, I've, I've, I, I went, I've, 
I lived in in uh, Finland for like three weeks. That's like the whole of my experience there. But I've seen a lot of Scandinavian films, and this feels like of a of a piece. Well, the other thing, and it's not related to what you were just talking about, but I did want to bring it up. Um, if you watch all these short films together, it's important to remember that these short films were not designed to go together. Yeah, yeah. they're not a feature. They're not going to build yeah. on one another, and they're not meant to be compared to one another. Yeah, exactly. So if I say yes, people feels like you know a bit of a letdown after you see opera. What I mean is maybe save opera for last. Like just forcing it, forcing them to go on one right after the other. is just, you know, it's not really, everything's going to, you don't want to follow opera. Yeah. Or maybe like see some of them one day and some of them another day, but like opera is a big act to follow. I think Um, that said, your mileage might vary because opera is a little abstract in some ways. It doesn't have like a conventional narrative, like a hero or people who like change over time, etc. Mm. So you might be turned off by opera. That might be your taste. But for me, opera is one. You're right. It's one of the best films of the last mm. year. Holy shit. Um, so uh, so I think we both agree opera is the best. Yeah. Do you think it's like, do you think it's going to win? No, I think it's, it's really it's unlikely. far too abstract. No, I think it's probably going to be it's going to be Burrow. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Pixar, uh, Pixar uh, I think it's called Spark Shorts. Yeah. This movement to uh, sort of advance the the short animated form uh, beyond what Pixar yeah. was known for uh, is is clever. It's innovative. We already saw an Oscar nominee from this studio. They did Kit Bull. Uh, oh, that was that, a good, that was a good one. The, the, they, uh, which is another one with cute animals. In a good way. And, it and ended can, up well. But, and you can oh, actually God. see a lot of these shorts uh, on, on the, the Disney Channel. Um, so, yeah, there's yeah. Uh, sort of Disney Plus. It's still the, 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 it's the a channel full of Disney. It counts. The it's Disney channel. channeling older Disney into this one website. Yeah, so you, you can you can watch a lot of these shorts, the ones that aren't up for Oscars as well, yeah. uh, on the Disney Channel. Um, if you only have time to see a few, mm. uh, here's what I would say. Uh, I would say, do not miss in the documentaries. Do not miss. Do not split, and do not spit. Uh, do not uh, miss a love song for Latasha. Mm. Uh, for live action shorts, I would say, honestly, they're all quite good. If you only had time for a couple, I would say, make sure you check out Feeling Through, Wide Eye, and maybe Two Distant Strangers. Mm. Uh, and then for animated films, I would say uh, Burrow. And opera, and then if you have if you have time, genius loci would be the the big thing. Okay. Anything else that you want to make sure you get a big shout out before um, we let it go? Or no, I, I'm not so down on two distant strangers as you are. I feel I'm not like, down on uh, it. I'm just not. I'm just not 100 percent sure it's genius or okay. not. Uh, I I think it's effective. I think yeah. uh, it it does handle a really heady subject in a genre trope. I think in an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it like sticks the landing is kind of irrelevant i think it's a good enough Fair. a good enough idea and i think a lot of the the more uh, salient ideas do come across i just have a feeling this is either going to be a movie that like i realize in a couple of years i'm still thinking about mm. or i'm going to realize in a couple of years what kept me away from it yeah and I, I just yeah. it's just it's not one of those ones where sometimes you watch a movie a lot of times you watch a movie and when it's over you go i know how i feel about that I, I think, know what I uh, took away from that. I and sometimes they uh, just, they simmer a while. You I think know? what's going to happen is somebody's going to make a feature that deals with something very similar mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to explore it a little bit more deeply. Perhaps. Hmm. Perhaps. Um, anyway, those are the Oscar nominated shorts for this year. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Um, I, those those are the Oscar nominated shorts. Thank you for joining us on this journey. I don't know what I can tell you. Um, we're not going to no, bother giving them our big old rating system because no, for the most part they're all they're all C plus. Yeah, it's only like you, you, one we actively disliked. Mm. Um, 
And you know which one it was. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate you and having an interest in short films. A lot of people don't cover them enough. And, yeah, and uh, uh, we if, should cover them more, but we do at least want to make sure we take the opportunity when if, the Oscars roll. If you do manage to see these shorts, uh, because they are available, uh, please write to us. Um, write into our email address. We'd love to... Uh, hear from you and hear what your take was and what some of your favorite ones were and what you might have taken away from these. Yeah, uh, the, once again, that email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. You're also welcome to contact us on Twitter. Uh, we are at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Um, once again, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash network, where you can get a whole lot of other exclusive shows. You can also uh, vote for future episodes of our various programs. Um, we would love to see you over there. We'd love to uh, give you all of our all of our extra stuff, because we make a mm-hmm. lot of it. And uh, so, enjoy. Thank you, everybody who's a patron, without whom even these free shows would not exist. So, thank you so much for everybody for supporting the show. Um, and uh, And again, we got soap. Head on over to Etsy.com, look for Salt Cat Soap. We have a lot of soaps that are designed by my wife and partner, M. Lapis da Silva. A few that are designed by me. My name is in the headline of those, if you want to look at those specifically. Although, why you would, I have no idea. I think her soaps are better than mine. Um, but um, in any case, thank you once again for joining us on this bonus episode of Critically Acclaimed. And uh, never forget, everyone's a critic. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?